Bibles uh, to 1 John chapter 2. This morning and uh, tonight to kind of get our minds in a direction for next weekend. And uh, Brother Kilman will be here Friday night at 7.30, Saturday night at uh, 7, and then regular times on Sunday. And uh, we're going to spend some time teaching, preaching, he is, on holiness. And uh, I do believe that's a very important matter for for our for our church, and I believe it's an important matter for the church world at large. And um, we just know and believe that the Spirit of the Lord is able to help every single one of us, literally, uh, to do uh, His will. And. Uh, I hope these are familiar scriptures uh, to you, but 1 John chapter 2 and, and verse 15, the Bible says there, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a pretty provoking verse. If you love this world then the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And why don't you turn back just a few pages, I... So James chapter 4, and um, I'm going to add this verse in, not so much to preach on it per se, but just to read it in your attention. But James chapter 4 and verse 4 of the Bible says there, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I believe both, I believe James 4, I believe 1 John chapter 2. And we have come to this point, I believe, in history. And um, again, so much is going on in our world. It's very important that our relationship with God be the chief priority of our lives. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to minister here this morning. Lord, we are, God, thankful for your word. Thankful, Lord, for everything, God, leading up to this point in this service. I pray, Lord, today, God, that our minds and hearts, God, will be drawn into a place of of God, remembrance that God, that these, Lord, this message, it would somehow, God, provoke us to good works. 
that you would help us, Lord, to turn our backs, God, on this world. Knowing, Jesus, that you are able, God, to help every one of us to walk stable lives that are filled, God, with a desire for holiness and God's separation from this world. I pray, Lord, that here today, that you would do that in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I had somebody to say something to me here a few days ago, and um, so provoking, I wrote it down. And I'm going to share it with you here this morning at the outset of what I'm going to be preaching person made an observation and said that uh, if we're not careful, we can think we have a geographical problem whenever we really have a heart problem. And what I mean by that or what they meant by that is that sometimes to think that if we have a change of geography, that it may change our hearts but that's not the case because geography is not going to change the condition of your heart. And there's got to be a desire for every single one of us to live a life of holiness and separation from this world. I believe that whenever you start looking at, uh, particularly at, at 1 John, there are a number of times where that he does indeed speak about the love of God. You can uh, see that in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. You see it in verse 11. You see it again in verse 16 where that there's an expression of, of God's love. I would also point out to you here this morning that, uh, that the love of God is a perfect love. Uh, in fact, it's one of his attributes. But at the same time, what we sometimes as human beings do not understand is that if God can have a perfect love, then there's also a perfect hate that God has. And there are things that whenever you look at the Word of God, there are things that, that the Lord, that he does indeed hate. Psalm 97 and 10, ye that love the Lord and then hate evil. Psalm 119 and 104, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. You heard that preached on at, at Youth Congress if you were there uh, for that message. Psalm 119, 113 says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy love do I, or thy, but thy law do I love. Vain thoughts could be translated as, as vacillations or even a sense of double-mindedness. And you remember the, the caution that James pointed out in James chapter 1. In verse 8, he said, I'm going to tell you this, that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Every single 
man or even woman for that matter that finds himself in a place where that they are double-minded, they will be unstable in every area of their lives. Psalm 119 and 128, the Bible says, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Psalm 119 and 163, the Bible says, I hate and abhor lying. There's something about it that whenever you start looking through Psalm uh, 119, and I have preached from that a number of times this year, so my mind has been somewhat immersed in that. But but it's about the matter of grasping the law of the Lord and how important that that law is whenever we begin to find a relationship with the Lord. This morning in the lesson, Brother Patterson leading up in uh, his introduction began to talk about that matter about the thing that the Lord cleansed. The Bible tells us that from the outset of his ministry that he cleansed the temple. And then that was at the beginning of his ministry, but he comes back toward the end prior to his crucifixion. And again, he cleanses the temple. Why did he do that? Well, there was a matter of the fact that Jesus loved sacred and holy things. And I think it's very important that all of us here this morning that we should understand and and we shouldn't be surprised whenever the Lord begins to express some righteous indignation over those matters of things that that I would even say anger that caused him to rise up and clean those temple or cleanse that temple because he saw that the righteousness of God was in a place where that it was greatly misused. Holiness in our day, even as as uh, Brother Patterson mentioned in the Sunday school lesson, hell has really fallen out of a lot of Pentecostal preaching, and we're I think we are are really a lesser people for that matter in knowing that there. There is going to be a hell that all of us need to be warned about. We sometimes capitalize on the blessings of the Lord and capitalize on all of the, if you want to call it, the goodies of the kingdom of God. And yet there is a matter that says that there is going to be a judgment that we're going to stand before God in a coming day that he will deal with those particular things. It's very crucial for every single one of us that whenever we come in here into a house of worship that not only do we worship the Lord but that also that we should evaluate and look at our lives. And so when you start understanding that hell has disappeared from our vocabulary to a large degree, holiness has also also been minimized in a lot of various places. And yet the Lord is telling us through his word there that we are not to love the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love and the father is not in him and so the question that we should ask ourselves here today is how much do I fellowship the world or how much do I fellowship with God 
How, how much time do I spend with matters that are holy and reverent and filled with the awesomeness and the power of God? Or is it that these things don't really have a priority in our lives? Holiness has a priority on Monday through Saturday just as it should have on Sunday as well. There's got to be again that commitment that we have really to prayer and to our interaction with the Word of God. But there's something else that the Lord talks about that He really does not cotton to, and that is idolatry. Jeremiah chapter 44, and beginning in verse 2, the Bible says there, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, ye have seen all the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem and upon all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are a desolation, and no man dwells dwelleth therein because of their wickedness which they have committed to provoke me to anger. He's like, you got to be kidding me that there is a matter that even in our day that God can be angry. That's a foreign thought to the modern day church is that God could be angry. Oh, how in the world could God be angry? I would just say again that the Old Testament is again is a mirror and a type for every single one of us to look and to say that, that the God of the Old Testament is still very much alive today. And what we sometimes misunderstand is that the patience of God is sometimes passed off to say that God acquiesces S's and that he will give me a pass but that is not true. The matter is this is that when we walk in here and you hear convicting preaching or you hear preaching that somehow moves against the thread and the fur of your life you ought to say thank God that somebody's standing up and saying hey preach to me and tell me what the truth is because the truth is the thing that is going to save us. Jeremiah goes on. He says there in that they went to burn incense and to serve gods whom they knew not, neither they, ye nor your fathers. What is he saying that, that God hates? God hates idolatry and yet our altars don't look like stone altars that are offered up to idolatrous gods, but our idols look like whole, uh, completely different matters in the fact that there is a matter of materialism that sometimes catches us in that particular place a self-centeredness sometimes that our pride leads us to those are idols that we find ourselves somehow having to be involved with in our day. Verse 4 Jeremiah goes on he said how be it I sent unto you all my servants the prophets rising early and sending them saying oh do not not this abominable thing that I hate. But they hearken not, nor incline their ear to turn from their wickedness to burn no incense unto other gods. Wherefore my fury and mine anger was poured out and was kindled in the cities of Judah. 
of Judah and in the in the streets of Jerusalem and they are wasted and desolate as at this day. There was something about it again that the Lord was saying don't allow yourself to drift in to this particular place of idolatry. But not only does God hate idolatry, the Bible tells us that he hates false religion. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 6, the Bible says, But thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 15 says, So hast thou... So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which that thing that I hate. These are matters where the Lord was looking at a church and he was addressing and he was saying, these are the things that I hate. These are the things that I do not understand and grasp as to why that it would go on in this particular local church body. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is if the Lord was to walk through here today and walk up and down the aisles of our church are there things that the Lord would pick out and he would say, I hate this, I don't like this, and yet sometimes we have the tendency to say, well, God is going to be okay with all of that. Don't fall into that trap. Then whenever the Holy Ghost or his word begins to try to convict you, then the Lord is saying, I don't like those things that are present in your life. How much entertainment went through this place today? How many things passed through our ears? How many things went into the eye gate? How many associations did we have this week that if the Lord, and He was, He was there, that He would say, I don't like that. I don't like that involvement that you have in that particular area or in that particular matter. So what do we do? We turn to the Lord in repentance and we say, Lord, draw me in. Lord, please pull me in to a place so that I can stand before you. But keep in mind that scary thought that the Lord said in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24. He said, because iniquity is going to abound, the love of many is going to get cold. It's going to be cold. Why, why is that? Because iniquity abounding. And you look at our world today, it seems like that, that sin and iniquity has a chokehold on this. And, and sometimes you can get so desensitized and, and you can get into the place where that, that, that it almost like chokes you down and tries to choke out your prayer, tries to choke out your devotion to the Word of God and tries to choke out the loyalty that you have to the house of God and to the things of God. We've got to be careful about those matters, church. And so it is that John comes along and he tells us in John chapter 4, he says, I want to tell you, here's some ways that, that you can know that you know the Lord. He starts out in verse 3, he says, uh, I'll tell you how that you know the Lord is that if you keep his commandments. Then he comes on 
and he starts there and he says, how is it that, look at verse 8. He says, I write unto you which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is past and the true light that now shineth. And then verse 9, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother, he is in darkness and he walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. And then he goes in verse 12. He says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. He gets into a part there in verse 12, little children. Then he says fathers. And then he says young men. Those again is indicative of spiritual growth that's taking place in your life. So I ask you this question. Are you further down the road now than you were a year ago? While we were getting ready for the fall festival, I thought, seems like we were just doing this yesterday. Seems like we were just grilling and setting up tables and setting up chairs and getting everything laid out. And so again, whenever I get into that vein of thought, I have to ask myself the question, where, where have you come in the last year? Is your prayers, are they any greater than what they were a year ago? Is your understanding of the Word of God any better than what it was a year ago? Are you more in love with the world or are you more in love with the kingdom of God in that manner and in that particular way hear me church today is that there's got to be that part that we obey and keep his commandments and that we obey and that or that rather that we love our brother and our sister or that matter that comes along and says that there is indeed personal growth that's going on in your life but the fourth test that John comes to there in chapter 2 is this he says I'm going to tell you this. Do you know how that you are in the kingdom of God? What is your reaction to this world? Who are your heroes? Who, who are the people that you know the most about? Are you a Swifty? That's a good question. I didn't know who Swifties were until about two months ago. Uh, so let me date myself somewhat. So who are our heroes? Is it Madonna? Is it John Travolta? Is it um, stuff in the 80s, Brother Jay? Or you interchange them and you say, I don't know who the heroes now are. And sometimes some people say, do you know such and so? No, what church do they pastor? I'm just asking you questions here this morning, trying to take your temperature and ask you this question. How much are you in love with the world versus how much are you in love with the kingdom of God? And yet I want our church to keep bucking the trend. You say, how, how are we bucking the trend? 
well, we, we have 50-plus people to show up on a Monday night and a Tuesday night for a prayer revival. I was shocked when 41 of you found your way into a fellowship hall over in the student building last Tuesday night. You look around and you're like, "Is something is going on here practically every single day. But don't be confused. That kind of activity is not going on everywhere. And as long as I've got breath in my body, I'm going to keep on pushing. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep pushing and doing everything I can. You know why? It's because I know that this world has a pull on us. And if we're not careful, the world can choke out every bit of the affection that you have for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's too late, church, for us to start deciding, well, do I want to be in the church or do I want to be out of the church? There's too many things that's going on in our world that says that we've got to get connected to the kingdom of God. There's got to be a part where that you are filled with the word and that you're filled with the Holy Ghost and that you're filled with prayer, that your mouth is open to praise and to worship. Those are the things that really matter. Those are the things that matter. And so how much is your Bible being used? How much, uh, what is the condition of your knees? Talking about prayer. And we all can have excuses. I'm too busy. I'm too stressed. And yet the part is we have to make time in this world that is going by so rapidly. And here's what the enemy's trying to do with our time. He's trying to burn up our lives on nonsense. And so it is that whenever John comes along and begins to write, he, he says, I'm going to tell you the world that you shouldn't love. What, what kind of world is that? It's a world that has characteristics that are greatly opposed to God. And preachers are preaching Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. They're not just preaching on Sunday. But there's a world system out there that's greatly opposed to God's kingdom. It's a world that is very transient because John tells us, he said this world is, is fleeting and only those that do the will of God are those that are going to be saved. It's a world that has rebelled against God and turned his back on him. It's a world that thinks only of this present world which is governed by time. It's a system of sin and lust and evil and pride against God. It's a world that lies in the lap of Satan. It's a world that is run by false teachers. It's a world that's ruled by the spirit and the antichrist. It's a system that denies the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a system that's driven by Satan that opposes everything righteous and good. It's a world that is filled with darkness, every characteristic that I've just given to you comes out of 1 John. And so if John identifies these things, and keep in mind who John is, he was the pastor, one of the pastors there at Ephesus after <coughs> Paul's 
departing and, and he's writing to a church that then obviously has a strong commitment to doctrine. We know that from Revelation chapter 2, but they have lost their first love. So what happens to us if we lose our first love? Then the things of this world becomes more appealing. They try to draw us in and capture and trap us. And the church can't be too concerned with how the world may perceive us because I'm just going to tell you this, the world hated Jesus and it's going to have very little regard for her or for her saints because this world of wickedness, it can't be too friendly with those that are trying to push back and live lives that are filled with righteousness. What is concerning to me is sermons like I'm preaching to you right now that if I were to preach this in the 90s would be having a whole lot more positive impact than what is happening than what's taking place here this morning. Because there's something inside of us that rises up sometimes and says, I don't want a pastor preaching to me like that. But I'm here. And I'm going to keep running, and I'm going to keep trying to eat right, and I'm going to be like Elijah. So when Ahab asked him, are you the one that's troubling Israel? And Elijah wanted to turn around and say, no, I'm not the one that's troubling Israel. Ahab, you're the one that's troubling Israel. I want to trouble you to no end. Why is that? It's because I'm trying to awaken you to a world system that wants to destroy you, that wants to take you out of the picture, that wants to do everything it can to say, hey, the things of God, they do not matter. But, oh, yes, they do, church. Holiness matters. Prayer matters. Spiritual maturity matters. Those are things that matter in our lives. And we've got to hear those particular things in our day. We've got to hear those things. You look in the book of Acts and you see how the church was treated. How was the church treated? It was persecuted. It was scorned. It was beaten and it was ridiculed. Why? It's because it was separated from the world. And so this question is this, is how separated are you from the world? I just had a book recommended to me by uh, Brother Royer. And it's a book called the analog church, and uh, it talks about the matters of now we're in a digital age. We use screens, we have iPhones, and we do all of these particular things. We now have these short TikTok videos, and now YouTube, I guess, to try to compete with it, has what they call shorts. And what happens with my grandchildren is they can start scanning through and they'll watch something 15 seconds and then they move on to the next thing. This book that talks about this matter, the analog church, talks about how that we need to get back to the place where that we just lock in and just preach through the Word of God. Because the scary thing is this, is our attendance, our, our attention spans. And they go into a study, again, it's very concerning to me. As they said that because we have gotten so keyed into television, 
and so keyed into video that our minds wander and they drift and the, the attention span now is shrinking and getting smaller and smaller. I just want to tell you this. That's the work of the enemy. You say, come on. you got to be kidding me. No, it's the work of the enemy that wants to bring us into a church and get us in the place where our minds wander and we don't track when the preaching of the Word of God and that worship is like, well, let's just move on to the next thing. Let's hurry up and let's get to the next thing. Why is that? It's because we're in an age now that it's difficult for us to listen to a preacher preach for 50 minutes or an hour. What's taking place? It's a world system. And yet there's a scripture that comes to mind. Can you all put up 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2? I think it's about verse 13 or 14 maybe. Uh, that that Paul uh, gets into there. Um, back up a verse or so. Tell you what, let me turn in my Bible and I'll tell you exactly where it's at. Um, it's verse fourteen. Here, here's what here's what Paul writes. He says, "But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God." For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And so whenever we come in to the church on the weekend and our lives have been so choked out by the appetite of this world... It's very, very difficult for us to be able to lock in to spiritual matters. You know why? It's because our minds have gotten so natural. And it's Netflix. It's Amazon Prime Video. It's music choices. It's conversations of fellowship that you've had with carnal people, people that do not have your best interest at mind. They gossip. They're tail bearers. They're backbiters. And all they're doing is tearing down the church or even tearing down the voice of a pastor. Brother Patterson got in on some of that two Wednesday nights ago. I'm pleading with you, church, that there's got to be somewhere in your life that you take to heart what what John writes, love not the things of the world, that the things that are in the neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why? Because all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God, that's the one that's going to abide forever. That's the one. And so we have to find out in that matter of saying, I can't afford to love this world. 
the life of a saint is always going to be that of one that where that he is at war. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 through 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. All of these things John is warning and cautioning us against. He's saying, I want to plead with you and say, don't allow yourself to fall in to that trap. Now, do preachers fall into the trap of the world? Yeah, they do. You say, how does that happen? Buildings, crowds, large offerings. That's how pastors fall in to the category. And yet Paul speaks to that matter. And he says, Timothy, I want you to know this, that there's got to be that matter of you preaching sound doctrine. There's got to be that matter that you give yourself to prayer, that you're committed to your family. Those are the matters of success. And yet too often, too many preachers start allowing the trappings of the world and what you would say the trappings of success to say bigger buildings, bigger crowds. Whenever the Lord starts looking at us in John chapter 6, he had a huge multitude there. And then he turned around and looked at him. He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part in this kingdom. And they looked at him and they said, boy, those are some pretty hard things to say. Is that really what you're preaching, Jesus? He says, yeah, that's what I'm preaching. And the scary phrase is, is in John 6, it says, and from that day many of his disciples turned around and walked away. And so Jesus is standing there. Think about this now, okay? The Lord has, has, has fed them. It's a miracle. He's fed this multitude. They were there for the hamburgers and the hot dog and the trunk or treat. But yet when it comes time to preach holiness... When it comes time to call for commitment, they've all disappeared. And so then Jesus turns around, around about verse 66, 67. He turns around and looks at his disciples, and he says, Hey, he said, uh, are y'all going to leave too? And Peter looked at the Lord. He said, Lord, where, where else can we go? Where, Lord? You, you have the words to eternal life. I know that there's a lot of people that's walked away. I know there's a lot of people that have turned their back because they listened to you say hard things. And when you said those hard things, there was something about it that collapsed their commitment. I would just say this to every single one of you here today is that there comes times in your life whenever your commitment is tested. And you'll have a choice. And that choice will be to either do one of two things. is either to walk away and look for an easier message or to make your appeal to the Lord and say, Lord, where, where else can we go? Where, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
Sister Regina, I want us to sing Draw Me Near. Remember years ago, very good friend of mine, Brian Aaron, whenever we were in Bible college, Brian was out of that great church there in Houston, Life Tabernacle. And uh, there's a number of times that 6 o'clock in the morning that Brian would be at church praying over there with, and you walk in that place, and I'm telling you, Brother Kilgore would be there, and there'd be probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 generally where they were men, there were elders. And uh, they would be praying and uh, just feel the presence of the Holy Ghost in that sanctuary. There was a number of times where that Brother Kilgore would come in through that far over in the corner of that sanctuary there, at Life Tabernacle is where his study was at and there was a door that opened up directly into the sanctuary and there's been more than once or twice that Brother Kilgore would walk out of that door on a Sunday night and he would break in to sing and his voice carried across that sanctuary well there was one of those mornings Brian and those men were in there praying and again, I, I'm, I'll be frank with you. I look back at that now and wish that I would have attended more than what I did. But Brother Kilgore walked through those doors. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord. And then he'd get into that course. Draw me nearer. Draw me nearer. Draw, pull me in, Lord. That's what marked Pentecostal churches 30, 40 years ago. That doesn't mark too many Pentecostal churches these days. Let's sing a fast song. Give me a little something to help me get my stress off. All that's trinkets compared to where the Lord wants to really take all of us. Wants to pull us into a place of holiness, spiritual commitment, spiritual hunger, desire. Cut off those things of the world. Cut off those attitudes that are killing us. Cut off those cancers that are really just pulling the anointing and the energy out of us. Hard words, Jesus. That's right. You gonna go away too? You gonna walk away from a church that's calling you to a life of holiness? You gonna walk away from a church that's calling you to prayer? going to walk away from a pastor 
that's trying to get you to interact with the Word of God, it's not worth it. Lord, I pray God today. Lord, help us not to love this world. I pray Jesus today that God, that there would be a a commitment, a desire, God, for spiritual things that would rise up inside of us. Lord, don't let that natural and carnal man, Lord, choke out the purpose and desire of what you want to do in our lives. I pray Jesus today, God, pull us, Lord, to a cross. Pull us, Lord, to a place of self-denial. Draw us in, Lord, to a place where that you would look down and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I pray, Lord, that today in Jesus' name. These altars are open. I'd like for you to come and pray. Talk to the Lord. Oh, Jesus, draw us in.